Hi Chris, how are you? Yeah, hi Rod. All is well. WWDC week. It's a bit different it, this week. It is. We're, we're a bit late recording. We've had time to sort of mull over a little bit of the stuff that they announced. And listen to lots of podcasts. So it's episode 71 and it's the 9th of June. It is indeed. Uh, and it's not quite such nice weather here today, i got to say. No, actually, we've got glorious sunshine and it's my children's sports day. So quite exciting in our house. Lots going on. Fair enough. So let's just dive straight in. It's going to be an unusual show this week. We might do things slightly out of sequence and we'll mostly just talk about WWDC, which is the Worldwide Developers Conference that Apple had starting on Monday this week. It starts with a big event, a keynote, and then goes on to the State of the Union. We're going to talk about the hardware, the software, and some of the other things they announced pretty much in the order they announced it, I think, and sort of give our opinions and feedback. And I thought at the end we could then discuss whether either of us are running any betas. Yep, that sounds like a, a, a good idea. And I think, for those who don't know, the, the WWDC keynote is about two hours long. It's not very techy, so it is worth watching if you're interested in what's what's coming out in the a- Apple ecosystem over the next year or so. And then we've referred to the State of Union, which we're not really going to cover today, but that, that's where it gets really techy and, and quite geeky, I guess. So the actual WWDC keynote is really good, if you, like I say, if you're just generally interested in what's going on. Yeah, I think that's a fair summary. So first up then, they announced some new hardware, which is quite cool. What did you think? Yeah, so we'll go through these in order, I think, and talk about what they did. So the very first thing, and they didn't me- mess about, did they? You know, almost immediately were there talking about hardware. Yeah, you could tell it was going to be a full show because they just steamed straight in like, hello, right, let's get on with it. We're on to the Mac kind of thing. Yeah, so let's do the same thing. So the very first thing they announced, and this was long rumoured, was a 15-inch MacBook Air. So current MacBook Air is a 13-inch, has been for a long time, back way back when they released the MacBook Air to begin with. Well, actually, a second iteration that came in two sizes. It came in an 11-inch and a 13-inch size. So for a long time, people have been going, why can't I have a bigger one? Why do I need to go to a MacBook Pro at 14 inches and spend an awful lot more money when all I want is a bigger screen? And they made their wishes come true. So it's basically the same as the 13-inch in a slightly bigger case with a bigger screen, slightly bigger battery, I think, and slightly better speakers. And other than that, it's the MacBook Air we know and love. Yeah, this is exactly what I expected them to release. Just imagine they've just stretched the 13-inch MacBook Air and that's what they've done. I think it looks great. Apparently, it's very light and the extra battery just compensates for running a bigger screen. So it roughly gets the same battery life. I think it's available next week, but it, it looks a great device. And actually, I think they've managed to bring down the MacBook Air 13-inch price and therefore the 15-inch isn't actually a huge amount of money. It's still over a £1,000, obviously, but in in current Apple pricing, it's a lot cheaper than what I was expecting because every time they brought out a new product, especially here in the UK where we suffer with the foreign exchange rate, we've seen the prices go up. But actually they brought this in at thirteen ninety nine in the UK, which I think is a very good price point for a 15-inch laptop with that power. I think this laptop is pretty good for most people. This is a laptop you or I would recommend to nearly everybody if you can afford it because it's fantastic. I'd agree with that. I would say the one thing you have to do to it, though, is bang another 8 gigs of memory into it. I think you'd want the 16 gig version rather than the 8. Yeah, I, I don't doubt with that. My wife's running eight, and it's been fine on on her M1. But yeah, if you can do it, get if you're going to keep it for five years, get the sixteen gig of RAM, get the five twelve hard drive. That, that that would be the recommended spec for everybody. I think. Yeah, I'd I'd go with that. So adding either of those options, either a bigger hard drive or more memory, is another two hundred pounds on each side of it. But at its core, I think this is a good size, a good. A good price for a 15 inch laptop i'm with you comes in four colors it comes in midnight starlight uh, space gray or silver 
reasonable. You know, it's the same colours I think that the other one came in. So uh, yeah, the 13-inch the, the MacBook Air and the M1 still on sale if you want a bargain. And the M1 is now down to 999. So that's a hell of a laptop. Yeah, and if you go on Apple's website, you go certified refurbished right down the bottom and actually you can get pretty much a brand new laptop with even more money off. So I would always recommend that. And when they bring out new equipment, it's usually about three to six months later, you can get that on the refurbished site and get get circa 10% off it again. So if, if you're price conscious, the refurb store is always worth looking at. Yep, I think it's a, it's a, a solid buy. Yep. Moving on, they then went ahead and announced the M2 version of the Mac Studio. I think we were a little bit worried about the Mac Studio that it seemed to be released last year and then not get a lot of love. And then they've done exactly what you'd want them to do. One year, one year on from there, you announce a, a new version of it, a new chip, buff a few bits and pieces about it and off you go. And that starts at 2099 yeah, so that has gone up in value by about £100 in the UK for the new version. Price, price, not value. <laughs> sorry, price, sorry, in cost. But I expect them to do this because they brought out the studio display, they brought out the stu- the Mac Studio, so you thought they'd carry on that line of products. So not surprised they've updated it. I'm glad they've done it. And it's like you say, it's just what you want. It's just here's a year, you know an iterative year-on-year version. Again, if you want a really powerful desktop, can recommend it the base model comes with the max chip which is incredibly fast and then obviously you can upgrade it to the m2 ultra which is the first time we're hearing and seeing the ultra chip in the m2 variant yeah and again we've been a bit negative about the m2 chip i think it's been more of an evolution than a revolution unlike the m1 but it's still a very solid chip apple are saying 25 percent performance improvements across the board really so I think this is a good thing. They didn't say in this the complaints everybody had about the Mac Studio were the slightly noisy fans. When you think it's the same chip that's, I think, in your laptop, actually. And have you ever heard the fans on your laptop? Never. Exactly. So you, obviously the passive cooling for the M2 is pretty good anyway. So I'm a bit, mm, have they upgraded the fans? I guess we'll find out. It's released on the 13th of June, but I'm glad to see it. It's a good update. Yeah, I mean, that was the one complaint, wasn't it, from the studio? I think everybody unanimously likes it. It was just that it can be a little bit noisy, which it shouldn't be. So it's strange that, that they haven't dealt with it. And I'm surprised they haven't mentioned upgraded cooling. So I guess we need to wait and see for the reviews to see whether it's had anything done to improve it. Yeah, I'm just, as an aside here, I was in Germany earlier in the week and most websites seem to still think I am in Germany. So I'm getting the Apple store with German in it at the moment. So some of my readings that have been going on here might be a bit off. So this was good. We were glad to see this. And then out of the blue, they announced, surprising all of us, a new Mac Pro. It was a surprise, but then when you, I think you look back at it, it's like, oh yeah, that kind of makes sense. But it feels like they phoned this one in. They used the previous case from 2019, which I kind of expected because it ties in with the big screen they do. And basically, it's just the Mac Studio, but in a massive case, and you can put some PCI cards in it. So really quick, runs the Ultra chip. Very expensive, but but feels like they haven't really made much effort with it, if that makes sense. It's kind of like they've taken the M2 Studio and the previous Mac Pro and just gone, yep, job done. We just, you know squidge it together and and there we go we've made a mac pro yeah i like the mac pro case i think it's a, an interesting evolution of the cheese grater sort of design which was the original sort of intel mac pro which is a great a great computer and one of the points of a mac pro is it's expandable unlike the studio or the mac mini or any of the laptops for example is you've got this might get slightly geeky for a second pcie pci slots in the on the inside of it so you can add additional cards and in the pc world and in the previous world of the mac pro you could add additional video cards to this as well. So as Chris has said, 
basically what they've done is taken the Mac Studio that we were just talking about, which isn't a very big computer, frankly. The you know the silicon on a chip and all the various pieces are are packaged into one die. So all your memory is there, your GPU is there, your CPU is there. And if you want expandability, you're plugging things into Thunderbolt ports or USB-C ports or, or whatever else you need. And it's external dongles and things that you need to put on there. Whereas a Mac Pro, you can put a lot of these things on the inside, so there's still space for storage. There's still PCI version 4, which is a very fast interconnect standard for any additional cards you'd want to put in. But none of those cards can be video, and that's a bit of a limitation. So as you said, it's very expensive. It starts at £7,199. Which is a huge amount of money. And the next, you know, the next down Mac Studio is £4,000 if you get the one with the Ultra chip. So it's comparable to the Mac Pro. So that's a £3,000 difference. And largely just allows you to put more cards in it. Like that, that is the key difference. It's got two extra Thunderbolt ports and it hasn't got an SD card in it for some reason. But it's £3,000 more expensive. So this product, I think, has just got more niche. It was already pretty niche, and now it's just continued to get more niche because most people don't actually put anything in their computers. So I think it's a bit disappointing that it's so expensive. If they bought it out and it was, I don't know, 1,500 quid more expensive than the Mac Studio, you go, yeah, it's probably about right. You know, it's just a Mac Studio with a big case and lots of space in it. But to be £3,000 more expensive just seems like a huge amount of money. And generally with the Mac Pro, as we've seen over the years, the prices never really change. Even when they're selling it four years later, they're still selling it at the same price it was when they released it. So hard to recommend this to anybody. You know if you, I think it's one of those devices, you know if you need the Mac Pro. Yeah, if you're an audio engineer and you need 15 extra, well, not even that many, I haven't got that much space. If you need a huge amount of extra, throughput input for various mics coming from various places or capture video capture cards for cameras maybe but other than that i don't see much of a use case for it it's almost like a yep all the all the lineup is now apple silicon i think the mac pro will go quite possibly or it just stays there as a very niche product for for professionals it gets updated infrequently and costs a fortune yep good that does it for most of the hardware there was one other product which isn't a secret to anyone but we'll try and tease it a little bit i know we're a bit late and it made it, it made the various news channels certainly in the uk in fact my, my my family texted me to say have you seen this new thing that's been announced and i went yeah i had but it made the mainstream news so everybody's talking about it should we talk about ios yeah so next up they literally straight out of the mac straight into ios and i think what we're getting this year just just to oversight is all, all the OSs get a minor update. There's a little bit of new functionality, nothing revolutionary, which I think is good because I think we've all been asking for, can we just have an iterative update, please? Because if you do these big updates, you, you break stuff. It takes a while for it all to calm down. So I think the iOS stuff came straight out the bat. Not a huge amount in here, but lots of little quality of life improvements. And I think that's fair to say for all the OSs is as kind of a theme. I don't know what you think. No, I'd agree with that. There's nothing, there's not a tent pole feature, is there? Like last year when we were talking about stage manager for iPads and things like that, or being able to edit your messages for the iPhone. We don't have that this year. We've got, as you said, iterative quality of life, things that are nice to have, hints towards future directions, I think are, are in there as well for where we're going next. And just a little more integration across the platforms as well, which they're just, it's just sort of gradually pushing us in that sort of more unified way, which I'm fine with actually. Yeah, and I think to be fair to Apple, they're actually getting better at releasing something on all the platforms in one go. So should we start off then? First up, they actually talked about the phone app, which I don't think has been touched in, a, in quite a long time. And you can now set up a poster for yourself 
and for your contacts. So a poster being a nice big image when somebody calls you, you can set it. So I set one up for my wife. So I've got a nice big picture of her when she calls me, which actually we don't actually speak that often on the phone, if I'm perfectly honest. But equally, I can set my poster and so that you should have got a thing going, do you want to update Chris's poster on your device? And that's, that seems quite nice. And it's kind of a continuation of the iMessage thing. But to me, I don't know if you've seen it, but not many people actually set up the iMessage thing with a photo and a name. I do. And I see that you've done it because yours has been pushed upon me without me accepting it. But very few people actually set that up, which I think is a shame because I quite like having people's photos in my in my address book, even if I don't know them that well. It's great to just have their picture there so I can see who they are. No, I 100% agree. It was, it's quite a nice thing to have that, particularly if you're, you know, you're out in business or whatever and you quickly exchange a contact and you remember you met that person at the conference or whatever it was you're doing and some number starts ringing you and you're like, who is this? And you'd arrange to meet for a beer or whatever after the conference. It could be quite handy to have that sort of information about who you're, who you're about to talk to. So I, I quite like this. It never worked that well in previous versions of the OS because the they offered this before that if you did change your contact picture, I would get a little thing at the top of messages saying, "Do you want to update?" And I would be continually told by you because you're the only person that updated it that Chris has updated his thing. Would you like to change it on your side? And even when I accepted it, it would still sit there saying, "Do you want to upset it? Do you want to accept it?" And I, so I hope they've implemented this better this time. They've made it bigger. You know, you can customize it. You can use your emoji. Great. I like the notion that it's a poster and not just a contact voicemail. And you know, you got a bit of control over that. But yeah, it's it's something that's good. I wonder how useful it will be, but we'll see. It's only it's like with all these things. It's only useful if people use it. I think so. Like I say, I can see you've done yours, and I didn't get the option to accept it. So maybe that's the bit that was broken. I just get it forced upon me, which I'm all right with. You know, if you've got your public picture and that's what you want it as, I'm quite comfortable with that. I just want people to have pictures, if I'm honest. Yep, fair enough. Uh, second announcement was live voicemail. So this is a an expansion of what they used to do back in the day with visual voicemail. So Steve Jobs demonstrated this, I think, on, when they announced the iPhone, is that you, if you phoned somebody and they couldn't answer, the carrier would have to take a certain amount, would have to enable something on their server side, and then you'd actually get a little readout of what was going on with a visual voicemail. It would read it back to you. This live voicemail is meant to be on phone, where if so, you can't answer your phone, you say not right now, your phone will transcribe the voicemail that's been left and give you a message. So if you're sitting in a meeting, you can't take a call, then the person who's leaving you the message, you'll actually see it writing in front of you while you're waiting it to go. So if it is really important, you can break out your meeting and go and deal with it. I think this is quite cool. I don't know what your thoughts are. No, I do think it's cool because we get transcription on Teams. It's okay. It doesn't, it's never 100%. Obviously, it depends on the accent of the other person and the language used, but it usually gives you enough that you go, oh, that's just a sales call. I can just delete that. Or that's my doctor. I should quickly answer it. So I think this looks quite good because Apple did do transcription of voicemails in America before this. That you could go into the voicemail tab and see the transcription, but we never really got it further than America, I don't believe. So it's great assuming this is coming to everybody and it seems like apple's answering the phone call rather than it going to your your carrier voicemail and then they're doing the the transcoding live so that you can you can see it ahead of time so i think this is great i get a lot of cold calls and i silence all my cold calls so if you're an unknown number to me you get bounced straight to my voicemail so if i could bounce you straight to voicemail and screen you so that i know oh look it's my children's school or my doctor and i can dive in and grab the call fantastic hmm I did read a thing that this might actually have some sort of carrier dependency yet, though, so they're only sporting it in America at launch. We'll see if that's true or not, but more news when we get it, I guess. I hope they get it over here because that is a feature I would like. Just like Apple Pay Cash, it's eventually coming, maybe, perhaps. 
Or Apple Pay card, maybe? Like, can we have all of that, please? Yeah. Anyway, moving on. While we're talking about voicemail, I think FaceTime voicemail was also a thing. So if you FaceTime somebody, don't just get hung up on now. You actually get the ability to record a little message telling what you want to do. Nice, nice little quality of life feature. Not a big deal, though. Yeah, I don't do a lot of FaceTiming, I must confess. And I hate voicemail with a passion. So <laughs> I'd be happy not to have this, but I don't think it's going to impact my life. But in hindsight, it feels like a no-brainer. I can imagine my kids doing it as they get phones and they leave a voicemail for their friends. So it feels like, how have we got, I don't know, 15 years into FaceTime and we've only just got to voicemail? Well, I watch the way my kids use other, other social media platforms and they quite often record little bits of text and send it on, which is also a feature in, in iOS as well. And they do the same with Snapchat. They record themselves talking and the thing and they send that on. So actually, this is Apple catching up. Yeah, and I would imagine, and I'm quite looking forward to it, that actually our children use our phones very differently to how we do. So I'm, I'm quite interested to see, as my children get to that age, how they interact with it and what tech they use that I have literally no idea around. I think it's going to be quite interesting. Very good. Right, moving on, messages. Lots of little minor enhancements. The most major thing being the keyboard, but we'll talk about that separately. I think the most important thing they announced for messages was the check-in feature. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so... I thought this feature sounded quite good. And again, with my children getting phones, I quite like the sound of this. So that when you're when you when somebody you're in contact with gets to somewhere, it will alert you that they've checked in. You can set that up. So whether they're coming home or or in my case whether they've got to school. So I think that's quite a cool feature. Whether they will use it will be another thing. But I'd like to see that as something as like a parental thing you could do. What did you think? No, I quite liked it. It sort of expands on the safety thing to me as much as anything else that you know, if you are worried about somebody who's walking home after a night out or something like that, and you want it like my, my daughter in Cardiff, she's walking home from the club, and you say, just give us a check-in, so you don't need to text when you get there, it just automatically updates them how you're going on. And the app actually works in such a way that it'll give you a predicted arrival time, and if you're going to be late, you can tell the app actually this has happened, it's going to be 15 minutes later, or whatever, and if they don't check in, then it can start to prompt you that something's going on with that as well. So I think it's a great feature, it's a good safety thing. I wonder how used it will be. It's, it, it, it feels a little bit like the intercom thing they announced with HomePods and things like that. It's a really good idea, but the implementations are sort of really critical. So I hope it works, I hope it becomes useful, but I have my doubts as to how many people will actually use it. Yeah, the devil's in the detail, isn't it, I think, on this one. Like I said, I'm looking forward to it because my son's going to get an iPhone very soon and then walk walk to school in September and walk home. And it'd be nice to know that he's got home, okay, without me having to check on the doorbell that I've seen him, you know, walking in. It'd be great just to go, oh, look, he's at home now. He's safe. Um, Yeah, I I think it looks really good. Yeah, good feature. And I think this is Apple at their best, isn't it? They are good at doing the family sort of features, the safety features. That is some of the good stuff they do. Fair. So... The other thing they added is search filters for search and messages has not been particularly good, frankly. You know, if you're trying to find something in a long conversation history going back, that hasn't been great. So now, like an email client, you can actually add various filters within it. So from this conversation, I'm looking for this thing. And again, just a nice quality of life feature that really should have been there years ago, but I'm glad that it's there now. Yeah, given how much people use messages and keep them forever, seems like a, a no-brainer. Yeah. Then they've also added message apps. So where you had the bar above the keyboard, with lots of little icons on it, which I don't think anybody really liked. You've now got a big plus button and you can pop that up and dive into the apps that way. That seems slightly better. It's still two taps to get to the photos one, which is a bit annoying because you kind of want the photos one to be a bit more persistent because I think that's that's the big one, in my opinion. Mm. But it seems better. It's slightly weird design because it looks different, but maybe that's 
foreshadowing some future changes and it will actually be more at home because we've seen this before sometimes one app gets something a year ahead of everything else because they're trying out a new design language or a new way of doing something so i thought it looked quite quite cool i'm glad to see they're doing some work in that area yep i'd agree with that what else have we got here well then uh, it's stickers stickers so. I, I can't get excited about stickers well, I don't really do emoji, but basically you can now make all emoji a sticker and you can put a sticker on anything. And I can't remember what they called it, but last year where you could grab somebody out of a photo or an object out of a photo, you can now make that a sticker. So it seems all very clever. But again, maybe this is something that our children will use very differently to how we use it. Again, something I'm not overly excited about, but but look kind of cool. Yeah, and again, I don't want to dwell on this too much, but I, I genuinely think you are an exception to the rule that most people use other messaging platforms and other messaging platforms have this kind of thing anyway. You know, both Signal, Telegram, WhatsApp, all these kinds of things do this a lot better than iOS has. And this is just playing catch up from an iOS point of view for the kinds of things you can do. It's good that this feature, for example, is now on a, on a system level. So you can use these in those other messaging apps as well, certainly the stickers and things like that. So that's good that they've, they've implemented that. But... I don't have a lot of history in messages other than with you, really. So it, it's 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 a running catch-up thing, and it'll be important in America where messages is far more important. Please see our previous discussions on Google and their interoperability with iOS. But these are just quality of life things for for America. I think I want. I don't think we're that impactful elsewhere in the world. Yeah, no, I am. Um, well, I only use messages, so I can't compare it to any other app, I guess. And I don't really do emoji and stuff. I send pictures and text to people. I'm a bit old school, I guess. But maybe maybe I'm I'm unique there. But no, I think I think it looked good, and I I like the way they implemented it. Um, it. It needed doing. They needed to catch up. Anyway, moving on, we have two features called AirDrop, an AirDrop enhancement called NameDrop. Do you want to tell us a bit about this? Yeah, this looks kind of cool because I'm sure we've all done it. Oh hi, I'll just phone you and hang up, so you've got my number, but you you have to read out. But now you can bring two iPhones near each other and just name drop your I guess your contact details, which is fantastic. I'd like to know what that does name drop because people might need to clean up their contact cards. I guess in you know the my card under the contacts, so it'd be interesting to try it out. I haven't actually attempted to use this feature yet, but I guess I don't know anybody else running iOS seventeen at the moment other than maybe you. Um, I thought it looked really good. Well, that like brings in. Sorry. It- Sorry, I talk over you. It brings in the poster feature we talked about at the start. It uses that card when you create your poster feature. That's what people are going to see. They're going to see that picture and your phone number. And sort of an enhancement to this, as you said, is when you bring them together, you have to accept it. Obviously, you can't just push your contact details on somebody else. So that's a good privacy feature as well. You both need to agree to the contact transfer. It's a very slick little animation as you bring them close to each other. But one of the things they've built into the contacts app as part of this is support for pronouns. So there's a lot of, quite rightly so, the ability to choose are you he, she, them, they, you know, whatever pronoun you choose to refer to yourself as. And that is now built into the contacts app. So your pronouns will be appropriately reflected in that contact when you push it across. So again, not a world changing feature, but I just think it's, it's nicely done and at a good time. Yeah, I think though I was just wondering whether you can pick what fields get shared because say I've got my home address on it, but maybe I just want to share my phone number with you. And I don't want to share my, I don't know, my personal email address. You kind of need a little bit of options of what fields get shared, I guess. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that either. It's still early days. The, the beta's not that long been out. So it's something we can follow up on. Yeah. That'd be good to see the, 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 the game, the devil's in the detail, isn't it? Very much so. What's next? Next is notes. So notes, I think really the only feature here is you can now link a note to a note. So 
kind of something that people have been doing with Obsidian. So I guess you can have a note and then you can go, oh, look, I've detailed this in this other note here. So you've got that internal linking system. To be fair, Notes is quite an app, isn't it? There's a lot in Notes with all the different functionality like the document scanner, checklists, taking notes, doing drawings. Fantastic app. And they keep iterating on it year on year. And I think it's one of Apple's success stories of internal apps that actually a lot of people use. I know there are loads of alternatives out there, but a lot of people use Notes. And I guess people move away from it more just personal preference, but I don't think anybody actually says the Notes app's horrific. It's got such a good, good rep, good, what's the word I'm looking for? Reputation. Reputation. Thank you very much. No, I'd go with that. I think it's a solid app. And since they sorted out syncing between Macs and phones and iPads and things like that, it's got an awful lot better. I don't use Notes very much because I'm very much in the, well, I was in the Obsidian, but increasingly in the Notion world. Yeah, it's a good, it's a solid update. It's quite hard to do the linking. If you compare it to something like Obsidian or Notion, they've made it really quite difficult to do that. But the fact is, it supports it. And it's, it, again, it feels a bit like, you know, the sort of, uh, we'll do the bare minimum to keep up with sort of the trends in the market in some way. But again, you know, it's built in by the manufacturer of the system. So therefore, it's done quite well. It links deeply, it syncs well. All these bits and pieces actually make a difference. And without having to install anything else on your phone, you have a solid note-taking app that you can do these things with. So that's fine. I don't think there's much more to say about it other than well done. And I'm glad that they're, we criticize Apple for releasing a feature and then not going very far with it. And I, even if it's a small update, I like to see the still some love for these things and something as simple as notes, which is really important to the system. I'm glad it got a bit of an update. Yeah. I think notes though, to be fair, is one of those apps that nearly every year gets a little something, no matter what it is, it just gets something and it's good to see the iterate on it. Yeah. Fair enough. We also had enhancements to the keyboard at last, and there was a very good joke on stage with Craig Federici saying, we'll, we'll let you type what you ducking want on your phone, and I couldn't agree more. That's about time they allowed this. I quite like that they actually referred to that because everybody's complained about ducking, and you've complained about it, I think, on this podcast, so I thought that was very good that they were aware and they referenced it. And the keyboard has got worse over the years where they were, they were crowdsourcing you know, corrections, and now they're just doing it on device within within itself. So fantastic! So yeah, good 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 quality of life improvement. Yeah, very much so. How how good it is with to see? They're using something called a transformer model, which is a variant of the large language module models that we've spoken about that sort of form the basis of Chat GPT and others on device to learn your typing habits. It's got a sort of a few quality of life improvements for the way you type and how you can accept words and how you can go back if it has autocorrected something incorrectly. Time will tell how good this is. The betas haven't been out long enough for people to really sort of comment on whether it's better or not. But I'm glad to see anything that might improve the horrific autocorrect feature on the iPhone. Yeah, agreed. At least they're, they're doing something. So no, I, th- I think this looks good. Really good. I agree. What have we got next? Journal. So they released, they're releasing a journal app at some point. I'm going to assume this isn't going to be baked into the OS, but be like Apple Music Classical, where it's a download on the App Store. It's a journaling app. It can pull things in, and other apps can offer things up through an API to be pushed into the journal app. It's probably better we cover this when it's out, and we can, or when we get a beta of it, and we actually know a bit more. But it looked okay. I'm not a big journaler. I don't do a lot of note taking on my phone. I don't do journals. I'd like to scribble on a piece of paper. So yeah, be interested to see where they go with that. And again, it's an odd. Seems an odd, odd thing for them to push into, if I'm honest. Yeah, I, I wonder if this is part of their mental health push that they said a couple of times that it's about practicing gratitude. And I don't actually know what that is, but it sounds like something that's, I'm sure, very positive for your health and mental well-being. So I, I'm with you. I don't think we need to go into it in more detail. Let's actually d- discuss it when we have something to review. Yep. Standby. 
this looks interesting but frustrating because I think here you need to have a charger that charges your phone horizontally and not lying down. So just for me it seems a bit odd because all my MagSafe chargers lie down. So I haven't really seen much of this. I quite like the interface. I quite like some of the designs in it. But I don't think I've heard this before. It just makes you want a HomePod with a screen. So standby, because we didn't describe it, is if you oh, when your phone is charging and on its side, it will give you a sort of a nightstand display effectively with a, a very large clock, upcoming calendar items. There's a couple of weather. There's a couple of photographs potentially that you can slide through. So and when it's night and dark and after a particular time, it will go into or it can go into a sort of very low light mode as well. So it's not actually transmitting lots of light across your bedroom in the same way Apple Watch Ultra can give you a red face in in the dark. Standby can do that kind of thing. So as Chris has said, when it's charging and on its side, that's how it enables this mode. So if you've got a kitchen counter, for example, and you put your phone on it on its side with a charger, then you can have it cycling through your photographs or a big clock or your upcoming calendar or any of those things. My charging port MagSafe things, which are Belkin, have a flip out stand on them. So they will stand on their side, on their side. So that's fine for the third party things. But as you say, the Apple ones don't. No, and I've got all the Apple ones. I think it looks interesting, but again, it just looks like they're testing the, what the HomePod interface could look like if they did HomePod with a screen. And it, it kind of feels like what they're doing with other technologies. They test it over here. So actually when they come and release something over there, it's already fully baked, which makes sense. Fair. Okay. It's interesting. I'll be interested to see particularly what third-party developers, if they're allowed an API into it, what they can do and how they can bring, you know, downloaded this podcast while you're asleep or what you're playing or, or whatever else you can actually do within that. So it's an interesting technology. And I suspect what we'll see now is an explosion of third-party stands that with charging that you can build your Apple MagSafe charging pucks into so you can use them in your kitchen. Yeah, and apparently if you do use a MagSafe charger, it will remember that MagSafe charger and what you had appear on the screen. So it's, that's quite neat because I guess the MagSafe charger's got like a unique ID. So it knows, oh, look, that's the one in your kitchen. When you're in your kitchen, you want it to show music. But when you're by your bedside, you want it to show the alarm clock or, or something. Yeah, and we knew they were unique and they could identify each other because they upgraded the firmware in them not long ago, which surprised me. How you upgrade a firmware in something like that seemed a bit bizarre, but such is life. It's quite cool. Next up then on the list, which I'm not sure if this is a quality of life improvement or not, but now when you summon Siri, you don't say the word hey before it. I can't tell whether this is good or bad, if I'm honest, because I worry that it will just trigger more when it when you don't want it to trigger. That's my only concern now. I have it turned off on most devices apart from my HomePod, so we just have to see how it goes. So I watched a video and from Brandon Butch, who's a YouTuber, and he, where he went through detailing the, some of the quality of life things in the beta, and he demonstrated quite clearly that just shouting Siri at it won't activate it, certainly on the beta he had. It was quite well done. If I remember, I'll try and put it in the show notes there. But it's quite a long video. It's 45 minutes long going through every single feature of, the, of, of iOS, so it's probably more boring than most people can tolerate, but it seemed to work quite well. The other thing, just while we're talking about Siri, is they alluded to the fact it might be slightly cleverer. You don't need to invoke it continuously to clarify questions. You can sort of have a bit more of a narrative. I'm not sure I believe that. That will take time to see if it works. We Neither of us trust Siri particularly, so we'll see how that goes. Offline Maps is our next topic. Yeah, Offline Maps, love this. So I use Apple Maps a lot in my car. I, you can now set an area of the map and download it to your iPhone. I think this is fantastic. Really looking forward to this because surely this has got to be better for consuming data, like just download the whole of the UK if you wanted, I guess, to your phone or just the county where you live um, and off you go. So I, I think this looks great. 
Yeah, so Google Maps has had this for a while. I used it when I traveled to America about six years ago, rather than consume lots of data when I was out there. They're quite careful about how much map you can download because they can be sizable. If you think I downloaded New York State, I think, and that took a huge amount of data up on my much smaller iPhone at that point. So I don't know what detail level you'll be able to download in offline maps. I guess these days you've got more storage on phones, so it's less of an issue. So again, well done, Apple. You're catching up with what the competition have had for years, but I'm glad that it's there. It's a useful feature. Yeah, it feels like a long time coming. I'm, I'm guessing, though, the way they render maps these days is they're very clever about it, aren't they? There's lot, lots of vector and graphics and what have you. So I'm assuming they're storing it in a really good way anyway because you were streaming it before. So you'd, you'd like to think they've optimized it. But I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I'm, I am looking forward to this feature. Though. Yeah, I, I mean, I know a little bit about maps from some of the things we do at work. And maps for the UK, even just the most reduced size, are really quite data-intensive by the amount of details, you know, latitude, longitude, lower super output areas, then you've actually got graphics on top of it. And I guess a road's just a road, so it's not that big a deal. But you've got to render the buildings, you've got size and shape, you've got location, latitude, long. There's quite a lot within that. So I don't know whether I have more details. I might be talking nonsense, but yeah, interesting. Yeah, we'll have to see, won't we? AirTag's got a bit of a buff as well, and this is my favorite feature of all of the things they announced. You can now share AirTags with up to five people which is fantastic. There's a set of car keys we have in the house on one of the cars that's actually registered to my daughter. If we pick up the she's in Cardiff, if we pick up the car keys, they go a jangling and a tweeting and they get very upset that their owner is nowhere near them continuously. It's very frustrating. It's very annoying. And I've actually left the AirTag out of the key set because it drives me so crazy every time I pick it up. So but the ability to share this between five people, I think is just terrific. Yeah, it is good. I could have done with that last year because we bought an air tag for somebody but i had to link it to somebody else's id so that we could do the tracking on it that we wanted to do so now i think it's a good feature it's good again see the iterate on it yep good well done air tags getting more useful moving on and i'll probably be able to keep quiet this entire section ipad os yeah so not a huge amount that's just ipad specific but first up and this is for ios as well is widgets so widgets now a are on the ipad home screen lock screen which is great which for whatever reason they didn't release last year when they did the iphone so the ipad lock screen can now look look like the iphone you can change the clock you can have some widgets on it fantastic but what they have done now is they've made it so you can have interactive widgets so when you say have the apple music widget app rather than tapping on the album to go into it to play it you can now just push a play button and if you've got a checklist say reminders you can actually tick something off so it hasn't got the full interactivity that we've had in the old, old widget, but actually you can now do things. You can action something, you can update a status. It looks really good. It's been, it feels like that's been a long time coming, a couple of years, but actually looks really good. So it'd be interesting to see how that is. And hopefully our podcast apps, you know, when they have their widgets, you can have a play button next to it rather than going into the app to, to activate something. So looking forward to that. Yeah, I think it's a solid thing. It's not a surprise. I think it was one of our predictions last week, wasn't it, that they'd bring widgets to the iPad, and they have, and they made it a bit more interactive. So again, I'll be really glad when other developers get their hands on these and they can update them to work in a slightly more live way. It's a lot of work for a lot of developers this summer, I think. Yeah, there is a lot in here for developers. They've also brought live activities to the iPad, like you can get on your phone where you you know if you park your car it counts down or you're tracking a flight or what have you. So, so again, we've got parity between the two OSs, which is good. Yep, definitely. Then health. Talk, talking of parity, they've now brought the health app to the iPad, which is great. So you can sync your health data to the cloud and you can now open it up on the iPad and look at it on a big screen. I think that's really good. I'm surprised they didn't bring the health app to the Mac at the same time, but because Apple are pushing all these cross-platform tools, it's disappointing 
that they're not updating their own apps on all their devices at the same time, like with Apple Music Classical, etc. Yeah, to me, that's a no-brainer. Why wouldn't you just push it across the platforms? But as you say, Classical's a perfect example that they bring it to Android before they bring it to their other platforms. So, you know, but it's good to see a bit of parity there. You can sync these things. I wonder if it will do things like pick up activity on your iPad, because I know you like your steps will count on your phone. If you walk around with an iPad in your pocket, is it picking that up from them as well to go into that? I'm not sure this 13 iPad's going to go in my pocket, but, you know. You carry it in your suitcase, though. Yeah, that's true. So, so no, I, th- I think it's good. It's all good. And then next up, they announced PDF support again on iOS as well, so that they've got some clever machine learning. I mean, one thing we didn't say is I don't think Apple once said the word AI or any form of chat GPT. They steered very clearly away from all of that, which is good, I think, because they're not just following the masses. But equally, I think we want to see that they are doing stuff in that space. But no, PDFs now, they've got some clever detection for filling out forms and they've made made just interaction with PDFs better. And I'm assuming that's on all the OSs, but it was just in the iPad segment. Yeah, I guess we'll see. It's one thing I use my iPad for a little bit more than others is when I'm reviewing papers and things. I quite like to sit with an iPad on my lap and, and try and mark it up like that. I've almost forgiven it for losing all my annotations from last year. But that was that's another story. So yeah, this is good. I think improvements to PDFs is really helpful, and like I say, I hope it also comes to the other platforms. Your favorite thing, Stage Manager. Tell us about that. Yeah. So the next two features, actually, these are iPad specific and are good for me. So first up, Stage Manager. You can now actually resize your windows, have them overlapping. You've got a lot more continuity there in that you've got a bit more fine grained control. I think they were trying to be too clever last year. It didn't really pan out. So you've got a lot more precision now, which is great, which is just what they needed to do. It's a shame we've had to wait a whole year to get this, but it's great they've done it. They've added some more keyboard shortcuts. So I think they've got stage manager where it needs to be. Sadly, still only four windows on a screen at once. I would just like stage manager to give me one stage and put all my windows on it. But hey-ho, maybe that's that's for another day. But no, look looks really good. Yeah, and looking at the other commentary, so Federico Vitici, we've talked about a few times, who used to be an iPad-only guy. Stage manager caused him to lose the will to live, basically, and he went more or less straight to the Mac full-time. And he's saying this is a last moving in the direction he wants. It's still not perfect, but at least it's an improvement. No, this is a massive step forward. This is probably what it should have been last year, or at least updated with all the beta feedback in the summer. So I'm glad they've done it, and we're not waiting a whole other year to get this. And then the final feature they bring in is the ability to use additional webcams. So at the moment, on your iPad, you have to just use the webcam built into your iPad and the mic, whereas now you'll be able to use, say, the, the camera in your shoe display or use an additional USB-C webcam, which is fantastic. As soon as that's in Teams, I'll be very happy because then I won't have to sh- stare at my tiny screen. I can put people on my 5K studio display. So really good to see that coming. We didn't get all the updates we were expecting. We were also expecting like clamshell mode and things, but that didn't come. But I will take this update. That will be a massive quality of life improvement for me. And I think as a Mac user, I can use my iPad as a continuity camera as well. Ooh, I didn't see that. That's good. Yeah, so they're not the greatest cameras, although the ones on the iPad Pros are better than, than the one, the Air and the other ones on the line, but I think it's still a useful feature. Yeah, they just need to do that everywhere, don't they? So they need to get to a position where all devices do the same things, if that makes sense, so that you as a user don't even have to think about it. I agree, but keep what makes that platform special. I don't want my Mac app to have exactly the same interface as the iPad one. You need to take advantage of the features that are there on the iPad and vice versa. The iPad should have features the Mac one doesn't for touch and things like that. So, yep, I agree with you. That's so I, think, a- I think on the whole, solid iOS, iPad, 
OS updates this year. Nothing revolutionary, but just lots of quality of life improvements. Yep, I think that's fair. So for Mac users, so this is the section I was most interested in and slightly the most disappointed in because there wasn't that much for us really. We get new screensavers, which there was an installer you could get to install the lovely screensavers that if you've got an Apple TV, if you've ever seen the ones there of, of London and various deserts and beautiful parts of the world, you could bring them to the Mac and that's now just built into the system. They're quite large because they're 4, 4K screensavers. I don't actually even use a screensaver in any way. I, wait, I, I expect my devices to go dark and save a bit of power, but I'm glad that it's there if you want it. Widgets, so the widgets that Chris was talking about in regards to iPad OS and the interactivity has also come to iOS as well. You're able to have them on your Mac, bringing me back to the dashboard days. I don't know if you remember those, Chris, when we used to have an additional screen you could swipe to and get widgets. As soon as I saw this, I just thought of dashboard. It used to love dashboard, amazing animations. It just, that's all I was thinking of was dashboard. And going back even further, there used to be a thing called Confabulator before there was macOS dashboards, which was a Yahoo product, actually, or Yahoo bought it, where you could have interactive widgets on your Mac. You could drop an overlay in rather than going off to the side to get dashboard. And there were just little JavaScript things that you could run on your desktop. So I'm glad that these things are coming. I'm glad they're interactive. It is quite cool. Yeah, I thought, that- it, lo- I thought it looked good. It's nice to see. I don't know if I want them on my desktop, though. Let's see any... Yeah, I, the, the one thing I thought was interesting was the fact you can drag them off your phone effectively. So, for example, my Tesla app that's on my phone, I can drag that effectively off the phone and leave it as a grayed-out widget in, in the background of my desktop so I can view the charge status and things like that for, for apps that you wouldn't necessarily have on your on your Mac. So it's interesting, but I'm with you. I think it's quite distracting if you had a lot of these grayed out in the background of your Mac desktop that's sort of getting in the way of your work. So interesting, fun. Not sure how necessary it is. Yeah, I, I guess that's making it a bit more like the iPad, isn't it? So that you've got widgets on on the desktop. Yeah, but good, you know, and that's it. And then some enhancements to Safari as well, and passwords and passcodes are being brought into the password manager on the Mac as well. So that's a good thing. That's about it for the Mac. Yeah. Oh, gaming. Just briefly, they talked a bit about gaming, which we can deal with later. But you know, if you run a game full screen it will use all of the processing power and give it priority, whereas apparently before it wasn't doing that, which seems odd that it's taken this long to get that that one feature. Definitely an odd thing. Moving on, we've got some... These these have been grouped together, I think, in tvOS. Not all of them are tvOS updates, but... It's I kind of like it's their a... home section, isn't it? And yeah. the HomePods and the TV both run tvOS, in essence. They need to just change it to HomeOS at this point, I think. I'd agree with that. So we've got changes to AirPods where there was a tra- there was a transparency mode and there was a noise cancelling mode, effectively, on my version of the AirPods, the AirPods Pro 2. And there's now a new tran- adaptive version which will monitor the environment you're in and move that around. So if somebody starts speaking to you, you can hear it. But other than that, it'll cut out the loud noises in the background. So that's just quite cool, really, isn't it? Yeah, I, th- I think it's cool and it's great to see them bring it to an existing, to an existing product and not need you to buy a new piece of hardware which sometimes they do so it's only come to this one set of airpods though which you've got to assume there'll be some new ones coming later in the year or next year that will have this feature too how are your 600 pound ones feeling now i'm all right with it to be fair because i don't wear them out a huge amount i wear them around the house i go for walks with them i'm comfortable and i've had them three years i think at this point so i'm feeling right about it i think they need a price cut Uh, they should definitely have a price cut three years into being manufactured New features for HomePods? Yeah, so HomePod, A, will do the Siri piece we spoke about earlier, but B, you can now invoke 
playing audio from your iPhone from the HomePod. So you can go, hey, canister, or without the word hey, canister, play this from Overcast, you know, play my podcast or whatever it may be. So that, that seemed quite neat that you could pull the audio through from your phone rather than initiate it from your phone. So it seems quite cool. The one CarPlay enhancement they talked about was was group AirPlay, effectively SharePlay for people in a car. You don't need to eat. Other people don't even need a, an iTunes account to do this or an Apple Music account to do this. You can just pitch songs onto the playlist in the car when you're driving as part of CarPlay. I thought that was pretty cool. You can do it by QR code or you can just do it within the app. I think this is A, cool, but B, I just wonder how many arguments are going to ensue with a family in the back of the car and you've got the two kids on their phones keep changing the song but it looked kind of neat kind of like with the previous one though i just would love to know how reliable these features are going to be so but no look looks cool there are, are literally zero other changes to carplay i think there's a wallpaper oh there is a wallpaper you're quite correct and it now doesn't say playing next it's now an icon so that's all they've done to carplay which is disappointing control center Oh, so on the TV, they've massively improved control center and the home screen. The home screen now gets an additional icon, so they've made all the, the jumbo icons a little bit smaller, which is good. And control center is now in the top right, and they've just made accessing your cameras in your house a lot more accessible, changing users and that. They've just made the whole control center thing a lot, a lot nicer, to be fair, and I think it was much needed. Good. There wasn't much love for, for home in this at all. And I will say, since I installed the Matter upgrade that caused you problems... Almost nothing in my house works anymore. The lights will work intermittently randomly. My garage door opener has, comes and goes. It's been a disaster. And that's meant to have been the one after they fixed everything. So I'm, I'm less than impressed with this. Yeah, it's especially home just seemed generally missing. Like there's no talk of matter at all, which given it launched last year. But like I say, maybe they, maybe it's just not been adopted as anticipated, which I think is correct. And then look, finally, you can now use your iPhone with continuity camera and do FaceTime from your TV, which would have been a great feature in the pandemic. But it does look cool. You can pop your camera, you know, in front of your telly, sit down and have a, you know, call with your family or loved ones. So, uh, yeah, they've got some good features. And that feature is also going to go to places like WebEx and... I think Zoom. Zoom, was, Zoom was the other one. The team's sadly missing, but that's great that you can turn a TV into a, you know, into a conference solution. Definitely. WatchOS got some updates. Yeah, I think this one annoyingly had been hyped more than what it was. So we, I think we were all expecting radical redesign. But again, feels more iterative. So what they've done here is they've changed how you interact with your watch a little bit. So you still push the crown to go home. You double tap the crown to go into the app switcher. You now push the side button, the big button on the right hand side, to bring up control center. Because now when you swipe up from the bottom screen, which took you to control center before, it now brings up the, the time, but then in essence widgets, and they can be dynamic widgets or widgets that you pin, like the now playing widget, the activities, etc. So I think they've just slightly tweaked the paradigm of how you interact with your watch. And there's an onboarding screen when you first upgrade to this version. So it looks really good. And then the, the second big thing they've done is push push out an update to a lot of the internal apps to take advantage of the full screen put buttons in corners in essence have tab bars so they've done a lot more because obviously the watches now have got a lot bigger in screen size since they first came out so even the smallest watch is four or five more millimeters bigger than what what it used to be so i think it's a good update on the whole but not as radical as we were led to believe yeah i'm with you there's not really that much to talk about <coughs> excuse me there was sort of an emphasis on stacks, which has came which came to iOS 
last year with the ability sort of you got a news ticker or it becomes a photograph it becomes weather and you could swipe through them and the, the idea was they'd try and present something relevant to you and that seemed to be part of the design language of the watch as well and i think it needs an update i'm not sure stacks is the right thing because i found in my experience of stacks and i've disabled them all now it showed me the wrong thing every time i wanted to look at it so pinning what you want on there is more useful but I, i'm hesitant about how good this is going to be yeah i think we need to see it but equally i think and this is why people don't change their watch face that often. I think people like to see things in the same place because you don't want to look at your wrist every time and go, oh no, everything's moved around the screen. So I think it'll be interesting to see how it works out, but devil will be in the detail. Some health enhancements as well, particularly towards state of mind and looking at your watch too closely and all that kind of stuff. Other than that, I didn't actually notice that much more of it. Have I missed some detail here that you can update us on? No, the health stuff was interesting. I was just saying you can now do assessments. You can make sure that you're you're far enough away from the screen. And they're doing a thing on site. You know, if your children have, have a watch, you can see how many hours they're having outdoors and things a day just to try and help their eyesight. Is it melanoma? I think, think the condition's called that they're trying to combat there. Because obviously a lot of children, mine included, spend a lot of time in front of the TV. And so it's, it's good, I guess, if you can get them to monitor that. But no, on the whole, I think the watch again, very iterative, which possibly isn't a bad thing. But it would have been good to see some enhancements, say, to like the rings and things we talked before about having a day off or not having to stand anymore because most people are standing enough anyway, that, that kind of thing. Yeah, considering the hardware has improved over the years, I don't think the software has improved with it. And we've talked about that in the past, so we don't need to go into it here. But I'd call it a bit of a damp squib, the WatchOS update. Yeah, definitely they should have got a press release out or leaked something just to say it isn't that revolutionary. I think people are expecting a lot more. Yeah. And then we had the major event, didn't we? And they announced it with, what do they call it? One more thing. Which is, it's been a while since we've had a one more thing. And yeah, it's a reserved word in Apple keynotes, isn't it? For it is. Usually <coughs> they want to drop something major. Not iPod socks. <laughs> Quite. So uh, they announced they announced the Vision Pro, which is their augmented reality slash virtual reality headset. Spatial computing, they call it, which is a new paradigm for Apple. Very impressive hardware, beautifully molded piece of glass with about 12 cameras and various other sensors built into it. Very much sort of ski goggles looking effect with a quite comfortable looking strap that goes around the back of the head designed to combat the probably weight of it, even though it's not that heavy. It has a external battery model, a module as the rumors were predicted that sort of clips onto the left temple of the thing. That is about the size and weight of an iPhone. It gives you two hours of battery life for this device before you put it on and there is a USB-C socket in the bottom so you can actually tether yourself to it if you want. It was a very impressive initial hardware run through, I think. It's 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 a cool looking piece of technology. I'm sure you'll agree with that. Yeah, so I think a couple of things. One, if if in a way it felt a bit like the Mac Pro when they showed it and talked you through it, it was like, oh yeah, it seems exactly what you'd expect. They've brought out a set of goggles in essence. I don't know what, quite what we call it. I like the name by the way. I think the vision name's very good and better than some of the other ones like reality pro that we we had heard previously and xr os is now going to be vision os so i think big tick on the name the look and feel of it looks what you'd expect they've obviously borrowed elements from other places you know certain bits of it some close-ups they showed look like the apple watch with the speaker grills and it's got the digital crown on it which looks looked very similar to my airpods or or the, or the apple watch obviously but 
a lot of it just looked the same. It uses spatial audio, which they've got in all their products. It's obviously got the M2 in it, which, you know, it's just got bits from everything all brought together to make this product. Obviously, some amazing cameras from, from the sound of it, some amazing screens in there. When you put it on, I don't know what you call them, but the gaskets go, that go around your eyes auto move and line up so you get a good seal. It sounds amazing. I really want to have a go with it. So I think the hardware, big thumbs up. You've got a tethered battery, so you can put a little battery in your pocket, which I, when I first heard about it, I wasn't sure, but I can see why you wouldn't want the weight of a battery on your head. You can also run run the device tethered if, you, if the battery's not going to last you long enough for, I think, about a couple of hours. So that's just the hardware. So I thought it looked pretty much as expected. But then when they started showing the OS, which hadn't leaked, nothing had really leaked beforehand, which is very odd. Because how many people are involved in building all of this, getting all the graphics ready, building the website, you know, all the PR stuff. It's it's amazing, writing all the scripts for how they're going to demo it, that nothing had come out, which I think is really good. It's great to see a reveal and let them take us on the story. And then they talked us through the OS. The, the operating system, again, if you think back, pretty much what you'd expect they've taken the os it's like on your ipad and bits of your mac bits of your tv and popped it on to the the goggles in essence and it looks fantastic you know you've got everything floating in front of you you in essence can see a lot of similarities between safari or photos you look at the app and say oh yeah they've just done toolbars like this or you know drag controls you know it's got the drag control from stage manager on it which i thought was interesting off the ipad so it just felt to me like once you actually sit back and look at it, it's like, oh, yeah, they just borrowed all these elements and made it work in a 3D space. I thought it looked fantastic. Yeah, it's quite an impressive demo for sure. And it does run its own version of the OS. It's clearly very heavily based on iPad OS as you look at it. And, you know, they've added some 3D elements. So you can sort of if you move your head to the side, you can see the Photos app, you know, the layered elements within the Photos icon for the Photos app to get up and running. You can place things in space. You know, they showed a demo in Safari of, and we haven't talked about how you interact with it. You interact with, with by sort of pinching gestures and things like that, that the cameras in the device are good enough to pick up small amounts of movement. Lots of the sort of marketing stuff for it was um, people sitting on couches, surfing the web, watching a film, doing that kind of stuff. We'll talk about the individual apps in a minute, but that's the interactive element of it. So small movements of your finger, you know, a pinch is, is a click effectively. It's good at knowing what you're looking at. As Chris said, it's got two 4K displays that have that can track where you're looking at, and that works well. All the feedback we've seen of people who've actually had a chance to try the device have been amazed at how accurate it is for you turn and you look at a thing it knows you're looking at that icon you pinch to start it all sounds very impressive and they were quite good demos there was one that i found deeply creepy actually that i will talk about now the the hardware on the product itself like i say it's got about six cameras on it actually includes a 3d camera and you can use the the digital crown on the top of it to use it like a camera there's a lot of the marketing around the device that's trying to put out that, that you can't see through this product it has a screen on the front which will display your eyes or an or a, an animation if you can't see the eyes to show whether somebody's fully immersed in a thing or they're using the cameras to see what's going on around them and there's just a little clip of a father taking a picture of his kid playing on the floor while wearing these goggles and i thought that was awful it's like you've separated yourself from your family and put this barrier of this product between you and your family, rather than enjoying the, your, your kid's birthday party or whatever it was he was taking a picture of. I, I actually thought it was a real misstep from Apple to show somebody interacting with you know, their family in that mode with this, and you've talked about this with VR stuff before, 
this barrier up between you and them. And yes, you can see a characterization of their eyes to see that they're looking at it. But yeah, that's quite a cool thing, isn't it? Oh, we've built a special 3D camera that's got, you're going to be able to remember this moment forever and you know see it from every angle of your kids doing a thing. But I wasn't really there because I had this sort of barrier up. And that, that's sort of the dichotomy of this product to me is excellent hardware, interesting software. They've really thought about you know the ability to actually wear them as an AR thing rather than a VR thing. But that barrier is a problem for me. Yeah, so this is my whole concern with this a whole area of products, not just from Apple, but from everybody, in that you're literally shutting yourself off from the room that you're in. So when I'm at work, I can see, yeah, I could wear something like that. I'm sat in my shed, I'm on my own anyway. So why wouldn't I want to do it in a fully immersed world or I'm watching a bit of TV on my own? But it's not a product I'd want to use around my family. One iota, I've got no interest in that. So I'm surprised like you that they showed that. And are we all going to end up going in the office and just sticking these on and isolating ourselves from our colleagues? And this is probably where I struggle the most with this this range of devices is I'd love to have one. I'd love to have a, use one when I'm at work or I'm on my own around the house or something. But I wouldn't want to use it when other people are there because I like social interaction. I like sharing with my children what I'm up to. I like seeing what they're up to. So I, I do struggle with that piece. I'm surprised Apple demoed that piece of it if I'm honest because like you I just that just didn't sit right with me everything else they were showing I think they've done quite a good job so there isn't a faceless ski mask and they are trying to show some eyes and there's a light that comes on if you are taking a picture so that you know the camera is being used I think Apple have been really good at trying to be transparent when things are recording one thing we didn't touch on though is when you are using your fingers to pinch it does use your eyes to track where you're looking so if you're looking at the icon for the mail app and then you pinch your fingers it will then launch the mail app but they also highlighted that any way you're looking and and all of that they don't send any of that data back to the provider if that makes sense so that you know the eye tracking piece stays within device in essence was my understanding but i guess the apps will need to know where you are looking because that's like you hovering your mouse over or you or your finger on on the ipad so yeah super interesting but now on the whole i think it looks really compelling i think it feels like they did to basically take ipad os go file save as vision os and take that as the basis so no I, I think it looks good i think it will be interesting i do wonder is this going to be a hit is it going to be like the apple watch slow to begin with and then slowly you end up with everybody getting one i don't it's hard to know before i do that i will comment to that the one thing I did think was very cool was the moment in the demo where they bring up a Mac laptop, they open it up, and immediately the screen appeared inside of, of Vision OS. And I thought that was an amazingly clever moment where up to that point they've been showing you can have a big cinema screen over here or you've got a bit of productivity over there. The, the second you could bring your Mac into that environment and have a much bigger screen, you know, in the environment where you are sitting on a plane by yourself in the shed and you want to get some work done. I thought that was really cool. How much cooler it is than sitting in front of a screen as, as, as we're doing now, talking to each other, I'm, I'm, I'm to be convinced of. But the ability to mix, just have that in there. And hopefully they can do more than that. You know, you can expand your screen, you could have multiple screens, you could put an app from your Mac over there and all that kind of stuff. They didn't really demo that. That was that was an impressive moment for me. I got to say, just again, that's the, that's all. It's not the Apple whimsy, but it's the ecosystem that they've got right. Would the same thing happen if you've got an iPad on your right? Would that appear in your environment too? You know, could you use the apps that are on that iPad separately from what's going on? So that makes you that bends your brain slightly, thinking what they can then start to do with it. But I agree with you from a technical point of view. Other than our concerns about the isolating effect of it, I think it's a really cool product. 
it's it's very cool it does look cool and i like that they've done a general operating system like the ipad os like a mac os where you can do everything you can do creativity on it you can look at your photos you can browse the internet you can send a text message you can load up the offer they even showed the microsoft office suite of apps from the ipad so i think they've hit it on the head without going after doing a gaming device which is not apple's forte but they've made it a general os that you can do everything on like i say like they've done with the ipad and I like the way that you can sit there. So you can be sat in a room and you've got this these goggles on and you've got a screen in front of you, say with photos on it or a movie. But you can use the digital crown, the dial on the top, to dial in how much of the outside world you see. So do you want to see some of the outside world or do you actually want to, you know, di- you know, go into a fully virtual world with a screen on it and actually block yourself out? Very clever how they've done that. And you can pick how immersed you are in in what's in the goggles or how immersed you are in what's outside the goggles i.e the the actual world you're setting i i feels like they've got a lot right with this product on the face of it like i say it'll be interesting to see how how it works how it goes down what that's like in a year's time i'm assuming when they've finished all the software of it i thought that a lot of what they were showing might not all be working but it sounds like lots of reporters have had demos and have tried it on and actually most of it seems to be working so it's quite interesting i thought some of it might be rendered or you know or what they expect it to work like but it actually feels like they've they've done a lot of the work and like i said they were comfortable to do like instructor-led demos in essence where somebody takes you through it and tells you what to click or tap and do so there's obviously a lot in there that is up and running yeah what a device yeah impressive uh, we haven't come at the price yet. Just two two extra thoughts on the hardware. They scanned people's heads with iPhones. So the people who got a chance to demo it, the old 30-minute demos, I'll try and remember to put a link to Marcus Brownlee's experience of doing it and his experiences of using it. They scan your face and your head when you go in to get the shape of it, where, your, where the earphones are going to sit above your ears and all that kind of stuff. And then they ask you if you've got a prescription. And if you've got a prescription, you can slot lenses in, which are made by Zeiss, so it ma- precisely matches the prescription, so you don't need to wear glasses while you're using the device, unlike Sony's and others, which stops light bleed, makes it a more immersive experience. That's all very well. To buy the lenses is going to cost extra over above the cost of the of the device. You're going to need multiple sets of lenses, because at the price of the device, you're you know if you're sharing it with other members of your family or your team, you're going to have to have you know different prescriptions, so that potentially vastly adds to the price. And then the last thing is, if you have a bad astigmatism, it's no good to you because the lenses aren't going to be able to cope with that. So that's slightly worrying from from the hardware point of view for this device. Yeah, I agree with that. And you've mentioned price a little bit. I mean, we should probably face into that. The price of this thing is three and a half thousand dollars, which when it when it was announced. At, at Apple Park, there was an audible gasp in the room. I think we knew it was going to be three thousand dollars. I think that that come out, but three and a half thousand dollars was even more. And I think people were expecting the iPad announcement, whereas rumored it was going to be a thousand dollars, but came out at five hundred dollars. That obviously didn't happen. And again, I think Apple should have probably leaked a little bit more on this one just to set expectation. But I mean, but when you then go back and look at the the equipment, it's not a it's not a big surprise it's a very premium product it's got however many cameras on it it's got an m2 in it it's got an r2 on it which is their new reality processor it's obviously got some storage in there it's got some ram you know there's a lot going on in this device so i'm not surprised and it's a version one and they've called it pro so i'm going to assume there's going to be an apple vision at some point in the future which will be a lot more accessible like we've got an ipad pro and a mac pro we've also got ones without the pro suffix so that's where i think we're going to end up in that 
it will come down in price, but it will take some time and they will become more prevalent, assuming it catches on, as have all of Apple's other ecosystems. But are we going to be in a world where I've got an iPhone, I've got a watch, I've got an iPad, I've got a Mac, am I then going to have a Vision as well? You know, are we all going to have all these different products in their family? I don't know. Yeah, and I guess this is it, isn't it? It is very expensive, but I still don't feel there's a killer use case in the way that there is for the Mac and there is for the phone and there now is for the watch. It took a little bit of time for it to build. They told a very good tale. It's the most compelling AR VR tale I've seen, but I'm still not seeing the thing that I want it for in this other than everybody who wore it said it was cool. Lots of things are cool and I don't buy them. So I, I, I think there's still a little distance for them to go here, but I'm now in a, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt rather than it's just a hard no for me. They, it, they've still got to find that killer application as far as I'm concerned for it to make Joe Schmo spend, not, let's face it, they're not, Joe Schmo's not going to spend $3,500 on this. It's going to be a developer who's got a cool idea to do something. And then when they release the $1,500 version of this, that's when it's really got to be critical. So they've got a bit of time. They've bought themselves time. They've announced it in the right place. They've got the media experience. But I don't think Meta or Sony are think, sitting there thinking, oh, we've massively messed up here particularly. Meta cut their prices a bit, but it's not, it still isn't the killer app. I agree with that, but equally, what I was thinking about, when Apple brought out the iPhone, you could see this was this was going to kill the iPod. You could see you're not going to want an iPod and an iPhone. And since the iPhone, we've never had a replacement product. We've always had additive products like the watch, the iPad. So we've ended up with all these devices. I wonder, actually, could the Vision replace your iPad, for example? Like iPad that you use on your own, largely. You Obviously, you can pass them around, but I don't. I just use mine here in my shed generally. I use it in the house for work. Would the Vision Pro replace that ultimately? I don't know. Would I still carry both? It's hard so, to know, isn't it? Yeah. All right. So you use iPads on building sites, right? No, but I just meant for me as an office worker. But yeah, no, we do use them on, on sites as well. You so, wouldn't want somebody wearing these on a building site. Exactly. Is Builder A going to take one off and put it on Builder B's head to get them to do a thing? Or do you have to buy them? For you know, that for us, when we're consenting participants, do you plonk this on somebody's head to do the consent? There's a lot to think about in that. An iPad, yes, it's a largely solo device, but you still have the ability to share them, pass the screen on, give the pencil to sign, do those kinds of slightly more. You know, look at this cool YouTube video that I've seen. I don't get that from, you know, we've all got to have one on our heads and you flick the, your YouTube video onto the next person to see it. So like I say, I think we can we can sort of bottom up the discussion here and I'll let you have the closing comments on it. But it, it's still it, there's still a gap here between what this showed and why I want one. Yeah, I don't disagree, but I probably should have phrased my comments slightly differently in that it could replace the iPad for some people. Maybe that was a better way of doing it. But you, but you're, I understand what you're saying as well. It wouldn't kill the iPad like the iPhone killed the iPod. I don't disagree with that. But I, I do think Apple have done a great job, though, of making us own four or five different pieces of hardware rather than just one. And is this like the sixth piece of hardware now that we're going to own running a different OS and use for a different set of use cases? Because that's why we've all got an iPhone, an iPad and a Mac for the different things that, that we want to do. Is there going to be something that the Vision Pro does for that space? And I, I don't know the answer. I would love to have a go on one. Am I going to buy one? I have no idea. And we probably haven't covered that, but they're only coming out in the States first. So is it going to be like the iPhone where, you know, it's another six months, a year later, they, they, they have more of an international distribution. Will the cheaper model come out six months later? It's, it's hard to know, isn't it? But I'm super interested to have a go on one. And I'm going to go watch the MKBHD 
piece next, I think. Very good. No, I think you've summed it up very well there. It's interesting and we'll watch it and we'll obviously f- follow it up on the podcast. That'll do us for the, for WWDC. Other than to say, what betas have you installed, Chris? All of them. <laughs> All of them? TV, watch, iPad, Mac, HomePod. I haven't done the HomePod. I've done the iPhone. So everything except your HomePod. I was tempted with the HomePod, but I thought I just they're working just fine here in the shed. I don't want to risk it. But now I've tried out the TV in my shed because my family don't use it. It's actually really good. Control Center is great. I think as soon as the public beat has come out, I'll pop it on the others because there's not a lot in any of these. Same with the phone. The phone seems very good. iPad seems fine. Mac OS seems okay. So for, for my use cases, all seems okay. The iPad's been fine, and that's probably the device I've used the most in the last week. So... For me, I, I wouldn't tell anybody to rush out. I'd wait for the public beats if you're interested. But they normally come out in June, early July. So it's, we're probably not that far away. More news on that in a minute. For me, I've installed it on my iPad. I had installed it on a, I wouldn't call it a burner phone, but an older iPhone 11 that was lying around in the house. And it was annoying me a little bit because it's an older iPhone with rubbish hardware and a small screen. So this morning I did actually install iOS on my main phone. And so far, so good. I'm not... I guess part of the thing with this is there isn't that much difference, really. All my banking apps work with it. All the, the Slay the Spire works, very importantly. It, it's not that much of a difference. Frankly, if I get a slightly improved keyboard, I'll be happy with it. So almost no news is good news, I think. I installed it and, and not an awful lot of difference. The iPad, if, unless you told me I was installing a new, I was running a new version of it, I wouldn't really notice. I've tried a little bit with Screen Mat Stage Manager to see if I can spot any differences there. Because I don't plug it into an external display, I'm not really seeing that so much. So... It's it's like nothing's really changed particularly for me. Yeah, normally I'd be a bit sad that there's not much change, but actually I generally think this is a good thing that we need an iterative year, and it also meant Apple could focus on the vision. So they've done that now. We we've had our iterative year, so it's it's got to be a good thing. Yep. Yeah, so we'll report back on our beta experiences as, as we go forward a little bit. So that's us both on our phones on iOS 17 Developer Beta One and on our iPads. And I will not, he said install it on my Mac because it will break the podcast yeah it seems right on the Mac you may not be able to run the software you run from Rogue and me because they do stop URSs because they people rush and install it and they haven't, they get them at the same time so they've had no time to test it seems okay they haven't done anything with system settings though that's one thing I will caveat Mac OS is not like it feels like they've done literally nothing to system settings which is disappointing yep Great. Okay, let's let's do a belated news section with only two items in it then, if that's all right. Yeah, go for it. The first one is entirely relevant. Apple have actually made this developer beta free to all. So if you set up developer settings on your phone, you can actually go in now as any user and choose to download the developer beta, which I'm very surprised by. I'm surprised by that because I thought they had a good mix of the developer betas are there if you want to get involved, but most people should wait for the public beta when we just ironed out the kinks. So I'm surprised they've done that, if I'm honest. I am too. Maybe they won't release a public beta this year. Maybe it's all developer beta. I reckon they will. Anyway, it's interesting. Link in the show notes. If you're crazy enough to want to install one of these things on your devices, you can now opt in to do that. So there it is. And the second story I just thought was related, actually, and Apple has bought an AR startup company just immediately after the start of WWDC called Mira. Their headset, the Reality Pro, is is. VR, there is no, without the cameras, you can't see to the outside world. AR is more like glasses with a display on top of it. So that very clearly shows their intentions, I think. Yeah, and there must be something 
in whatever this company Mirror have got that they want, and therefore they're going to assume it in. You you got to think they're going to kill that product and just yeah. assume it all into the vision. It, it, you know, and this is what they want to do with 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 the vision that they, they want it to be an AR product project. They don't want it to be just VR. They they want that interactivity with the real world. That's what you see when they're showing. You can see their eyes. You can do this. You can do that. So this makes sense on the roadmap and the direction that they're going on. And let's face it. AR is where we want to be. We do want overlays in the real world to say, you know, drive in this direction, do this. That house is worth thirty thousand pounds more than yours. Whatever it is that you want to build into these things, that's where they want to be. Do you think we're going to see people on the tube and walking around London with these things on? Certainly not as it stands from Apple at the moment. But ultimately, people did wear Google Glass. They need to get the little bit right about I'm actually recording you and all that kind of stuff. That's more of a social minefield than, than you've got when you've just got a massive, obvious headset stuck on your face and you're not just lonely dad taking pictures of your kids. <laughs> yeah, that was it for news, unless you had anything else. No, I don't think so. I've been pretty focused on WWDC. And I must say, actually, I've started watching some of the developers stuff. And whilst they've done quite a bit on the front end, and obviously they've announced all the vision piece, they've actually done loads of other stuff for developers of you know new ways of storing data, new ways of doing strings, new new animations, new that you know like everywhere you look, they've got a full developer story as well, and not just all around the new platform. So to be fair to Apple, they seem to have launched a new platform and kept everything else going and updated. So yeah, I think it's been a really good good week for Apple developers. And. Moving on to games, this fits right into this. One of the things they announced during the conference was a a rapid way to port Windows games to Mac, and there was a workflow for this. And as part of the workflow, they've actually got a whole Wine slash Proton, which is what Steam used to bring Windows games to Linux and the Steam Deck story, where a couple of interested people have managed to get quite up-to-date DirectX 12s, which is a Windows technology for running games on, running on on Apple Silicon Maps, including Elden Ring, which is one of the biggest games of the last year. You can now run that through jumping through quite a lot of hoops, it must be said, but you can actually run it on your Apple Silicon Map. And that's just really quite cool. Yeah, it is good. And they know they've got a deficit in games and they've got the right tech, but obviously Apple's tech is very different to Windows. You don't get the dedicated graphics card. So it's great they're addressing this because we keep getting games that are three, four years old they've got the hardware surely they just now need to encourage people to get there so hopefully this will help and it would be great to see more games on windows on xbox on playstation on switch on mac and that's what we are largely missing at the moment yeah my only slight note for concern for this is if a windows developer discovers they need to do nothing other than tell the users to run this command to run the windows game maybe they won't do any mac porting at all uh, and then you get no optimization because let's face it, they'll run it whatever they run at 30 frames per second, 40 frames per second. But actually, you want them to make use of the Metal 3 renderer. You want them to do this, that, and the other thing. You want to make it more a more true Mac experience. So having it is great. And that's what Valve have decided with the Steam Deck. Fine, we'll just suck it up and we'll make it work ourselves with no porting because we'll have the games then. But actually, what you want is something that takes some advantage of the Mac platform. So I guess it's good that it's there, but it's interesting and worth keeping an eye on. But but maybe what you get is people porting, not optimising, as you say. That starts building critical mass. And then as that builds, people then start optimising. Hopefully. Uh, let's face it, gaming and Macs isn't a great story. So, you know, but it's 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 there. You have the option to do it. So for those people that don't have a cool gaming rig, if you were desperate to run Elden Ring from Steam, now you can. Yeah, just quick on games. The game they demoed, this Death Stranding game, actually looked quite cool. I was a bit intrigued with it. And I might go and get that on the PlayStation. I don't know if you've played it. 
So I will point out that if you are in the enhanced, as I talked about before, PlayStation version, not the but the base one, but the middle one, Death Stranding at the PS4 and PS5 versions are there for free download. Interesting. I, I've, I have caught your attention, I can tell. <laughs> I shall go and take a look. But even without that, it's only £25, so it's actually not too bad. So I will might, might go and try it. Is it a good game, though? Is it worth trying? It was quite well received. It's like a fancy walking simulator, I think. But yeah, it's, it's well received. There was a lot of walking in the Apple keynote when they showed screenshots of it, but it just looked interesting and looked cool. And I thought, oh, that looks good on my PlayStation because I just fancy something different to play. Yep, check it out. I actually downloaded it yesterday because I slightly off topic. Well, it's not off topic because in games, I finally got put a one terabyte expansion thing into my PlayStation 5. Getting the cover off the PlayStation 5 is not a fun experience. Surely, with all of PlayStation's now, they could have made that a lot easier. It's it's a really rubbish way of putting any form of expansion in. It, but the actual slot itself was fine, and I put a heatsink on my memory stick, on my NVMe M2 stick and everything, but actually just removing the plastic cover from the PlayStation was... I was convinced I was going to break it. Yeah, I, oh, I just don't understand why they made it so complicated. Why is there not just like a little slot in the back? You just pop it in, job done. Anyway, I downloaded a bunch of games because I got a bit more storage now, and Death Stranding was one. Although I downloaded the wrong one, the PS4 one and the PS5 one are there. You want the director's cut to get the PS5 version of it. It's a top tip if you do go looking for it. Yeah, okay. I will take a look after the show. Uh, That was it for me for games. I have got an app of the week this week. I've been using it a fair bit, particularly during the WWDC keynote. Ivory, we talked about, which is a Mastodon client I've been using extensively on my phone. A couple of weeks ago was released for Mac. I haven't had a chance to talk about it, but I used it extensively during, well, I I mopped up after the keynote. I couldn't watch most of the keynote live, so it was really good. I added the WWDC hashtag to Mastodon on the Mac, and I had all the literally thousands of tweets, toots that came along as part of that. So it was just really good. It's a well-done app. I can't say enough good things about Ivory on, on the Mac and on the iPhone. That was it for me. Cosign, I use it on the iPhone. I think it's a very good app. And I like you followed the the hashtag, and I'm a bit overwhelmed. I think with all the messages. The only thing I want to do, and you may know if you can do this, is I'd like just to have a feed of people I follow, and then have a feed of the hashtag I follow somewhere else. I kind of want those two separate because I just want to dip in and out of the hashtag piece. But I'd like to see the people I follow more specifically. You can do that. There is a way that in one of the settings somewhere. I didn't do that. I just I, I just immersed myself in the whole thing. But yeah, you can have that separately as a, as a list, effectively. Okay, I need to, I will go and have a look at that. And then my thing of the week, I wrote WWDC because I've loved it. We've had a keynote from Apple, which we haven't had since September. We've got loads of hardware. We've got loads of software. And we've got a whole new platform and some developer stuff. So for me, I've really enjoyed it. It's nice to have a bit of techie stuff to get into for a change because it's been, it's been a very quiet six months this year i think for apple stuff generally yep lots to see i I go along with that so yeah really good and that's it i think so if anybody wants to get in contact we're both on mastodon rod is at g5 maniac maniac at mastodon.scot i'm at underscore cjp at mastodon.social or you can drop us an email at wake from sleep at protonmail.com brilliant talk to you next week chris cheers rob